0: Mark chapter 6, verse 30. Uh, Join me as we read there together. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. I call your attention to that four-letter word, R-E-S-T, rest. Jesus here is calling his apostles, his disciples, to rest. And lately, God has been placing that in my heart because I think that although there's a special quality of rest that's given by God to those that are in close harmony in obedience, in in fellowship with the Savior, Lord, Jesus Christ, although there is a special quality of rest, again, that's given by God. The question before us this morning, at this moment, is how many are really partaking? How many are really enjoying? How How many are really growing in this thing called rest? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 says, We who have believed do enter that rest. The definition for the word rest used there is a a putting to rest, a calming of the wings, uh, a resting place. Exodus 33, verse 12, you know the scripture well, where God speaking to Moses answers and he says, My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. And we know that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans four sixteen. if you're taking notes. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, you could go back and, and, and see that. I, I love to, again, think with you men this morning on how that promise of rest comes to Moses in Exodus. Moses tells the Lord now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight. Please show me your way now that I may know you, that I may find favor in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And as Moses makes that petition to the Lord, that's where the answer came. My presence will go with you. I will give you rest. The definition for the word rest. Hopefully, you're taking some notes, whether it be in your mind and your heart. Hopefully, all of us. If you take it paper-wise, it's so much even better. And it tells us that rest is to take ease. It's a repose. It's to keep quiet, calm. I like this one. A patient expectation. Rest. I like this one. To cease. For increase in a God focus. Rest, to kind of cease to increase in a God focus. Rest is to cause, to permit, one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect strength my brother's rest is not just something that's intellectual or theological it's not something that's just philosophical or theoretical i don't know if i made up that word i was born in cuba I grew up in this nation. English is my second language. I can't believe God lets me do this. I don't speak Spanish that much better, but I got to speak some language. And, uh, but theoretical, it's not just a theory. It's not just a philosophy. It's not just something in theology. It's not just something in the mind. Rest is something real, practical, and actual. Now, you might say, okay, pastor, go on. Move on, rest. No, listen, Do you know how common tiredness is in our days? Tiredness is so common that they came up with a new, I believe they call it acronym, T-A-T-T, T-A-T-T. You know what that stands for? Tired at all, tired all the time. Tad? Tired all the time. 45% of people in a survey that was taken, 45% said they have poor sleep. Later on, not too long ago, 20% of the people that were tested, they reported excessive sleepiness. Three out of five Americans feel more tired than ever. Here's a tidbit of information. You might know this. I I just discovered it. You know the day that is reported that most people are tired? New Year's Day like we're starting out a new year and we're already exhausted and tired from the previous quote-unquote celebration that just knocks us out. Go to Mark chapter 6. And it's good to notice here that in verse 30, the apostles, they gathered to Jesus. They told him all the things both that they had done And what they had taught. But now, all of a sudden, as they're having this conversation, this meeting, Jesus says to them, listen, come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. And a good question right there that comes to my mind is why would Jesus do that? They're talking to Jesus. They're saying, man, the things that happened, uh, the demons that came out, the people that were healed, the ministry. Uh, First part of Mark chapter 6 and verse 30 there, I see an M-letter word, ministry. And right away, Jesus interrupts and says, listen, come aside by yourselves. You need to come to a deserted place. You need to rest for a while. You know Mark, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by the influence of Peter, uh, writes here a little bit more information. He says there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And it's an interesting thing here, that word many, how I I make a sandwich with my hands. On the top is ministry. On the bottom is the many. And, And you have ministry, and you have many, many many things to do. Life is so busy. It seems like uh, rest is needed to all who labor in the work of God. It seems like time to rest, you have to fight for it. You have to try to find it. You know, we have these things that have these screens and people now they go to sleep watching the screen before getting sleep and, and nobody's really resting. Even though they're sleeping, there's no rest. There's a time to rest. There's a time to work. But there's many tasks, many honeydews, many voices, many people, many choices. I, I don't know if it's happened to you. Just last Sunday, I, I had the privilege of teaching again in Cary, Miami, and and I, I taught a lot of what I'm sharing with you this morning. But uh, there, there was a young man there, <clears throat> a drug user and abuser, and <clears throat> made his way to the church and uh, sat all the way in the back and. And and as I said, you know, people that their mind is constantly going, is going, is thoughts and thoughts and thoughts, and there's no rest, there's no time to stop, there's no time to breathe, there's no time to... And the young man later said, man, it's like God was talking to me. I know nobody here because they tell me all the men in Calvary Chapel, Philly, you're all saints, you're all holy, but in Miami sometimes, you know, there's husbands that go out to eat with their wives and they're on the screen they're with their family on their screen I, I've seen that N- not here I, I don't think it happens here but pastors that you're trying to get something from the pastor and the pastor's talking to you uh, yeah you know and I'm thinking what is what is what's going on with you Have you gone mad Rest Something that I call your attention to here that I find interesting notice how the disciples verse 30 Mark 6 They gathered to Jesus. They told him all the things, both what they had. And here's something that I believe, that's why Jesus said, you guys need to come aside by yourself to a desert place and you need rest right now. Because as they're talking to Jesus, they're talking about what they had done and what they had taught. What they had done and what they had taught. My brothers, anytime that you get the work Ahead of the word, it's a recipe that if you keep traveling in that road, you're going to be in trouble. I learned from Pastor how if you're at LAX airport, you remember this. You've heard this illustration. I never get tired of hearing it or saying it. And the flight engineer comes on the plane and he programs that flight, the path that the plane is going to fly, and he's only one degree off. Only one degree. At first, the takeoff, everything is fine. LAX airport, the right tarmac, everything is fine. The plane takes off. But as the plane is traveling, that one degree increases, and it gets off, and it gets off, and it gets off. And by the time you should land in Honolulu in Hawaii, you've missed it by 240 to 260 miles. You've missed it. So the disciples come back and they're excited, but they're talking about the work before talking about the word. Put a marker here. Go with me to John Luke, Luke chapter nine, because Luke records the same situation here. But in Luke chapter nine, we're able to get, I believe, good information and to make good observation here. So in Luke chapter nine. In verse 2, Luke chapter 9, I love when I hear the pages turning. That's the problem with electronic. You can't hear the, you know, you go to the scripture, but you can't hear. Someone said you could program the sound, you know, know, but it's not the same, you know. But Luke chapter 9, verse 2, he sent them to what? To preach the kingdom of God and then the work and to heal the sick. In verse 6, Luke chapter 9, very clear. So they departed and they went through the towns preaching the gospel and the work followed, healing everywhere. Please go back with me to Mark chapter 9. And we could have done it from Mark chapter 9 because in in Mark, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6. Because in Mark chapter 6, we see in verse 2, speaking about Jesus coming back to uh, Nazareth there, his hometown, that when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished. And they were saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? That such mighty now the works follow. The works are performed. If you look at verse 7, Mark chapter 6, you'll see the same thing. He called the twelve to himself. He began to send them out two by two. Uh, he did give them the power. He commanded them to take nothing. But there, if you jump down to a verse, I believe is uh, uh, 12... They went out, and they preached that people should repent the word verse thirteen, and now they cast out many demons the work. I think the point is clearly made. What excites you? How do you know you 're getting rest? Is the word enough? I love being here i I, I love Listening to, to, to the pastor, Joe, and pastors here. Because Wednesday I came and, and seeing Mike. And, and you see the Lord continuing. Is, is the Word. The focus is the Word. You could have the lights. You could have the bells. You could have the whistles. But you don't need them. You, you have the Word. And the disciples. The disciples, they come to Jesus. And the minute they're saying, oh man, you should have seen. The work is exciting. But the Word will burn you out if you're just focused on the work. And right away, I wonder if that's why Jesus says, you know what, you need to come aside. You need to come by yourself. You need to come to a deserted place. And you need to rest. Please take a note that the rest is just for a little while. The, the rest that I want to talk about today is, is something that you could get just in a little, small, few Uh, The word while, when you click on that word, the original language, it means uh, a little or a long. The focus is, are you getting the rest? What is this rest? Why do we need this rest? Put a marker in Mark 6. Would you please go with me to Genesis chapter 2? We go to the start, Genesis chapter 2, and and it's wonderful to see here why rest is important. If you're taking notes, you want to also write down, God commands it. Why is rest important? Because God models it. God commands it. It's an interesting thing in the world that we live in. The model is busy, busy, busy. Corporate America. You got these stats next year? We're going to go for more. I hope I'm not speaking out of place. It's sad that instead of the church influencing more of corporate America, so much of corporate America influences the church, and the church also goes into the stats. We did this last year. Well, now next year we got to do more. And it's just an expression of how much you need rest and how much we're drifting away from rest. Please don't get me wrong. Success is good. It's good to see results. It's good to see fruit. But there's a danger when you're focusing on the fruit more than what gives the fruit, which is the word. Go, go with me there to uh, Genesis chapter 2. And it's an interesting thing. God models it. Verse 1, the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And I love this. And he, God, what did he do? He rested on the seventh day, from all his work which he had done. That's the Sabbath, Shabbat. Obviously, got rested not because he was tired, but because he was finished. Obviously, God resting there, many scholars, many theologians, many people look at that and is pointing to Jesus Christ, the rest that Jesus Christ had at Calvary's cross when he said, teletestai, it is finished, the work of redemption, of salvation, the work to bring the guys on this side, all the way in the back, the guys on this side, the work to bring us close to God, that work is done, it's finished, it's complete. Sabbath, Shabbat, rested, Sabado in Cubanese. Rest. And so there's the rest that we have in Jesus that in my relationship with God, in my relationship with the Lord, everything that needs to happen is done. Jesus did it. It's by grace. It's a favor. It's a gift for anyone, for everyone. But, my brothers, that's not the only place in Genesis that I see rest. If you go to chapter 1, I I call your attention to verse 5, where it tells us, So evening and morning came, and it was the first day. I call your attention to verse 8, and that's the second time. You see kind of like a repetition. So the evening and the morning, and it was the second day. And then you go down to verse 13, and it tells us the same thing. The third day. And then you go down to verse 19, and it tells us again the same thing. It was the fourth day. And then you keep flowing, you keep going, and you come to verse 23. And it tells us, so the evening and the morning were, and it was the fifth day. Please, don't tune do me out. Don't, don't be bored. Stick with it. There, there, there's a reason we're doing this. So I flipped the page, and then you go to verse 31, and it tells us the same thing, and it was the sixth day. What are you getting at? Here's what I'm trying to share with you, that even God in creation, he has one day that he's involved, he's working, he's creating, and then he takes a rest. He saves what's going to happen on the second day for the second day. I, again, I don't know about you, but I'm guilty. I, I want to do it all. I, I got to get this done. I got to get finished. I, it, if, if, I, if this would have been me, it says, and rest who worked the whole time and he burned himself out. Even there I see how God, he did something the first day. He did something the second day. He did something the third day. God is modeling rest. But listen, come a little bit closer here to the scripture. And, and I want to show you something that you've probably seen it before, but for me, this was new. Go to verse 4. And notice that in verse 4, we're able to see that it says, And God saw that the light, that it was good. Go to verse 10. And look with me, and notice that it says, And God saw that it was good. Verse 12, the same thing. And God saw That it was good. Verse 18. And God saw that it was good. Verse 21. And God saw that it was good. Verse 25. And God saw that it was good. Verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed. What does it say there, my brothers? And it was very good. So I looked at that and. And I said, what does the word saw mean in the original language? So I clicked on it, and, and then let me share with you what I found out. Saw means to inspect, to perceive, to consider. It means to look after. It's a word that means to see, to learn about. I stop. Again, look to your eye for communication. You see where, where this is going, how God involved in creation He's he's stopping and and he's he's looking, he's examining, he's, what do you say, evaluating, resting? I think nowadays we call it, smell the coffee, right? Smell the flowers and we think we're coming up with something trendy or something good. God's got this way from the beginning. But listen, like the infomercial, wait, (laughs) there's more. Because we saw what God saw it was good. But then I thought, uh, my my simple Cuban mind, I said, well, what does good stand for? You ready for this? The word good in the original language, listen to this. It means pleasant, agreeable. I like this. Excellent of its kind. Beautiful. Beautiful, better, best. I like this one. That word good means precious. It means pleasant. Are are you with me? Do do you see the rest that God is creating? And he doesn't only take the Sabbath at the end of creation. He, He doesn't only, in a sense, rest in between each day. But in the process, God is modeling and giving an example that he's looking, he's evaluating, he's examining. It kind of reminds me, me and my five grandkids. Man, I got an oldest grandkid. I mean, time is going by so fast. Yesterday I was young. Now I look at the mirror and I say, who let my father in the bathroom? Looking like my dad, the wrinkles in my mind, I'm young. But, you know, my, my wife tells me, my wife, she says, you know who we are, Ras. You know, we got married. We She lived in New York. I lived in, in, in Miami, and we traveled to Atlanta. We got to Atlanta. We didn't have two nickels, in a sense, to rub together. But it, it, eventually, we get enough money to go to an Oriental restaurant, and we would stop there. My wife, bless her heart, she's got such a big, loving heart, you know. I definitely married up. But here's the point. She would look to the corner of the restaurant, and she would see the older people. You know, the older couple, the gray, the, the wrinkled couple. Couple and he says, "Ras, look at that couple." And now it wasn't too long that she says, "Ras, you know who we are?" And I said, "Who?" She says, "We're that couple." <laughs> <laughs> but by now I lost you. But to bring you back to where I am, as part of that couple, my oldest grandkid, fifteen. Now I'm teaching him how to drive, and and so to rest, to to enjoy him, his little brother Josiah, and then sax boy Levi, nine year old, the professor. And then the girl, my, my little girl, the, my little princess, Ella. And then Luki, the scientist. To stop. To rest. To observe. To not only travel, to not only get to heaven, but to enjoy the process. And the glory. And in the cancer. In the tragedies. And your best friend's suicide where, where, where you realize, Lord, or, and learning to rest. And so why should we look at this rest? First of all, it's something that we get in Jesus. It's something that the world cannot have. I think it's something that would be the best advertisement in our world today. But unfortunately, sometimes in the church we're catching up to the world, and there's the anxiety, and there's the depression, and, and everybody's going berserk and crazy. But I got the Pro fourteen, Papo. I, I, I'm in. I, I got the hundred million inch flat screen. But you know, I'm. But you're stressed. You're exhausted. Wife bothers you, the kids bother you, even the dog bothers, everything bothers you. <laughs> but you come on Sunday, hallelujah. And your wife knows it, and your kids know it. You're stressed, but you got no rest. A good example of this rest. Let me illustrate it this way. Hope you're taking notes first, Peter. Chapter 5, you gotta love it. Verse 6, Peter says, Cast all your cares upon him (laughs) because he cares for you. Rest. We see God resting, but if I could give you an illustration of rest, something that happens when you rest, I hope I could leave this with you. I hope you embrace this. Rest involves release. Release. How do I know when I'm resting? You come to God and in Jesus, you let go, you release, you, you cast your cares upon him. You cast the, the what do you call that? The bitterness, you, the unforgiveness. The How about this one? You remember the example. You remember when Jesus makes that fish and chips, you know, that breakfast for the guys after the resurrection and he comes, you remember, you know this, right? And he tells Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And I always thought, what did the D stand for? And right away, people think it's the fishes. And yeah, the fishes there. Peter loved fishing. Do you love me more than the fishes? But, but I think it also implies friends. Because Peter was the kind of guy that I think he wanted to look good in front of his friends. And Jesus is saying, hey, do you love me more than these, the fishes, the friends? But I think there's something else there. Because Peter, he did say to Jesus, man, even though these guys betray you, man, I, I'm going to hang with you, Lord. And then you know the story, the damn soul. Hey, he's with him, and he begins to flake out. He fails. He fails. And I don't know about you, but the way that my mind is wired, when I fail, when I bomb, I just replay it, I replay it. I remember coming home, and and I would ask my wife, uh, how did I do? How do you think that I did? And my wife was brutally honest. Implication. Sometimes I think I had to call fire rescue. (laughs) She would let me have it, you know. I finally learned how to change the question. I I would say, did you learn anything? (laughs) But when you fail, when you bomb, when you forget. Someone said every pastor teaches three messages, right? The one you prepare, the one you actually teach, and then the one you teach on the way home. You're correcting. The failures. You flop, you fumble, you flipped, you went down. I think Jesus is saying to Peter, do you love me more than your failures? Tend to my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. It's a moment of rest. It's a moment where where Peter comes and he had to release. Rest. You let it go. Okay, I failed. Okay, Lord. But you got it. It's yours, Lord. I'm going to give it to you. But I'll go to another familiar portion of Scripture. And speaking about Scripture, rest is important not only because God models it, but because the Scriptures show it. Would you join me in Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm what a beautiful psalm, not just because of the literary way that it's written, not just because of the message, not just because of the author that it David, warrior, man of God, a man after God's own heart, and not only because of that, but Psalm 23, a classic psalm, it's like anybody and everybody, if they know any scripture, they know something about Psalm 23, But hopefully you're there. If not, continue to make your way there. Psalm 23, it's about rest. And so rest is important because God models it, but the scriptures, they they ratify it throughout all the scriptures. I'm just picking this one, but go with me there. The Lord is my shepherd. Right away, what does that speak about? He's the one that sustains me. I could rest in that. And that's why he says, I shall not want. Now, it doesn't make sense because he says, I shall not want. But then he talks about, well, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, which speaks about nourishment. And then he goes on to say, he leads me beside still waters, which speaks about hydration. And we need nourishment. We need hydration. But why is this rest? Because when I have the one to sustain me, when you, when we have the shepherd, we're going to eat and we're going to be hydrated. The shepherd will take care of that. But now look at verse 3. He restores my soul. I clicked on that word restore. If you're taking notes, it means refresh. It means repair. It means recall. It means relieve. I love it, don't you? I stop a second. I look to your eyes. Get this. I hope you get this. You know, our soul, my, 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 my youngest grandson, when I say, hey, we're going to get ice cream. He doesn't answer me and say, Hey Grandpa, do you have a credit card? How are you going to pay for this? Do you have a balance? Do you have gas? See, I don't have a Tesla yet. So, you know, otherwise he would say, do you have a charge? You know, but he doesn't do that. Why? Because his soul is right. His soul knows when, when no, no, like he calls me, when grandpa tells him, go ice cream, grandpa's going to take care of it. And you and I were the same until maybe that first betrayal. Some of you here, maybe after the first divorce, after the first letdown. And then our soul gets affected by the world. And rest, you release. And you know what the Lord does? He restores your soul. You know, many scholars believe that David wrote this psalm uh, right after Absalom, betrayed him. He's running for his life. Everything has failed. Everything has flipped. Everything has flopped. And what does David say? The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. But it continues. Look at this. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yes, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil because you are with me. Rest. You rod your staff. they, They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. How I wish I had time to, to develop that more. But you know the little gnats that get in you and the oil washes away the gnats and sometimes we have gnats of anger and we have gnats of bitterness and we have gnats because the elder at the church got in my face and he told me what I needed to hear. And I got those gnats. And then I come and I worship. And I look at oh, Here's that guy. He thinks he's. Man, you need that oil. That rest. You need that rest so that it could be washed away. And what happens when that's washed away? What happens? What does he say here? My cup runneth over. Now you have joy again. Now you have fellowship again. And how does he finish? I love this rest. Surely goodness and mercy. They're going to follow me. I don't have to run after it. It runs after you when you're living practically this saying, rest. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And then I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Rest. Let me illustrate it this way. If you're taking notes, you want to write down Philippians chapter 3. If you want to go there, you may. But something else that happens when you rest, Not only do I believe that rest is important because God models it, because the scriptures show it, but rest is important because it's a time to evaluate, evaluate. When you rest, you not only release, but you evaluate. Are you there? In Philippians chapter 3, I love this portion of scripture. It is so amazing that Paul can say the things that were gained to me, These I now count as laws for Christ. I stop. Look to your eye for communication. And you know this. You know that when Paul is writing this, he's thinking, many scholars believe, when he's on his way to Damascus and he meets Jesus and Paul is breathing threats against the church and he wants to kill the Christians and he wants to stomp these lying Jewish guys that say that Jesus is the Messiah and he wants to get them. And on the road there, Jesus is there waiting for him. I think Jesus is smiling and says, hey, Saul, (laughs) Saul. In Spanish, it reads like this, ¿Qué te pasa? You know, in English is what's, what's up with you? Why are you persecuting me? You're kicking against the goats. You, you saw Stephen's testimony. You know Stephen is the real deal. You know Stephen is a waiter. You know Stephen gave a survey of the Old Testament that Saul has blown your mind and you haven't been able to shake it. I, I see that there. And that's why Saul says, Who are you, Lord? And I find that so funny. He didn't say, who are you, Chupacabra? <laughs> he didn't say, who are you, R2D? He knew who he was. Who are you, Lord? And that's what he says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. I'm the one that you're trying to fight. I'm the one that you have no rest. You're a Pharisee. You, you're influential. You got all this, but you got no rest. And Stephen had rest because when Stephen is dying, he says, I see the heavens open. I see the Son of God. I see Jesus. And, and, and you, you don't have that, soul." And I'm the Jesus that Stephen saw. And I'm meeting you now on the road to Damascus. And all of a sudden, Saul enters into rest because he has to make an evaluation. What's going to be more important to him? His career? His influence? His his place of power? Or is he going to give that all up as he says, Jesus, here I am killing people and you're coming to rescue me? (laughs) What do you want me to do? Rest. Not only do you release, but you evaluate what's important, what's valuable. Are you there still in Philippians 3, verse 7? you got to love verse 8, right? Yet indeed. See, Paul in 7, he's talking about when he first met the Lord. Here in verse 8, many scholars believe 25, 30 years later, he says, Yet indeed, I still count everything as a loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. I've lost it all. But I count everything I lost as rubbish, cow pies, compared to that I could gain Christ, that I could be found in Christ, that I could have not my own righteousness, but I could have the righteousness that's not from the law, but the one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God by faith. And then in verse 10, I think he just just explodes here. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be conformed to his death. I want to die like Jesus died if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Evaluation. You're going to hear from a friend that that I I know very little, Josh. I I met him. I think it was uh, the last Calvary Chapel Miami men's conference. But he had to make some evaluations. I'm going to try to hold on or am I just going to let go for Christ? And every one of you men here today, we have to make evaluations. The world is going in a direction that, listen, you're going to have to find rest. And when you come before God in Jesus, you release, but then you evaluate. Lord, you're good. God, you're good. And yes, this is painful. And, and, and this, is, this is gnawing at me. And, and Lord, maybe I'm not being understood, but Lord, you're good. I'm not backing down, Lord. Paul, the things that were gained to me, I consider them a loss. Hey, can I ask you a personal question? What have you lost for Christ? What has it cost you to follow Christ? It was tragic, uh, 2020 March, but it was a part of me that I loved it. No misunderstand me. People lost loved ones. It, it, brought, it brought trial, but... For the very first time, I think the church in America began to inch and and catch up to so much of the world that's being heard. If you follow Jesus, it's going to cost you. And I think 2020 was just a social experiment for the beginning of what's going to come. I expect the rapture. We're going to fly out of here. We're going to meet Jesus in the air. But before that, we may suffer a little bit. I don't know. But this I do know. Rest, to illustrate it, it's evaluation. Hey, join me in Luke chapter 10. Another reason why rest biblically, man, it's so valuable. If you're taking notes, Jesus, Jesus confirms it. Jesus teaches it. So there in Luke, in chapter 10, I call you to your attention to a portion of scripture that is so beautiful. And here we have... Mary and Martha. And I know this is a men's conference and you say, Pastor, come on, you got so many scriptures there and and you can't get a man's scripture. Yeah, but I believe Jesus is a man and he's the one that I want to see with you here. And as you look at this, I pray the Holy Spirit will show us that, man, David did this, Paul did this. There's many men that did this, but this scripture brings it so clearly. So picking up there in verse 38, now it happened as they went. He entered a certain village. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. And then she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Jesus' feet and heard his word. And I think that's a picture of rest. You're releasing. You're evaluating. Verse 40, moving on. But Martha, she was distracted. I clicked on that word. You know what that word means, distracted? Cumbered, drawn away, driven mentally. Is a word that means too busy. Is a word that means over-occupied. It's a word that means you're being dragged all around. That's Martha. She was distracted with much serving. But she approached him, Jesus, and she said, Lord, don't you care for my sister? She's left me to serve alone, and therefore tell her to help me. I I love the sign. I was in a pastor's office, and I saw a sign that says, I can only please one person a day. And I've already, in a sense, pleased someone, and tomorrow doesn't look good. And and the point is how so often people want to get you to do what they want. And that's Martha right here. She is so stressed out. That now she's trying to manipulate Jesus. Imagine trying to manipulate the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the author of life, the creator. Jesus answered her. And he said, Martha, Martha. In Spanish, this would be martica, martica. You're worried. You're troubled. The word trouble means you're disturbed, you're disquieted. The word worried, you're worried, this is funny. It's a word that means anxious, you're anxious. It's a word that means you're troubled with many cares. It's a word that, this is funny, troubled, worried means you're seeking to promote one's own interests. Martha, Martha, you're anxious. You're disturbed, you're disquieted. But Mary has chosen the good part which will never be taken away from her. He said one thing is needed. The word needed means necessity. It's a word that means duty. It's a word that means business. Hey, brothers, I stop, look to your eye. Isn't this phenomenal how, why is rest so important? God models it. It's in the scriptures. And here, Jesus, he confirms it. Allow me to illustrate this by giving you something else about rest. Rest is not something that you just release. It's not something just that you evaluate, but rest you savor. It's the word savor. If you're taking notes, Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord, my translation reads, He is mmm, good. I remember my first banana split. I think I was like about 10 years old. I went. It, it was only 75 cents back then to Carville. And I got this banana split for the first time. They actually put it in something that looked like a barge. And then they put the bananas. And I saw the guy cut the bananas. And then, and then he put the ice cream, you know. And then he put the whipped cream. And then he put the nuts. And then he put the syrup and the strawberries. And I, and I tried to walk out on my bicycle and I dropped it. And it fell. say, <laughs> no wonder he's traumatized. Yeah, it's not easy. But, but here's the point. Flavor it savor it when you eat a banana split i i savor you flavor it and something about rest is not something that you do you know the people that you do your devotions you do your your devo old testament new testament and you're dying and you never rested because rest means you savor the s then rest you release you evaluate and now you savor lord lord this is good lord you're good And in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the problems, in the midst of your wife getting radiation, in the midst of your son and your daughter, in the midst of... I I, I was talking to someone the other day where a a pastor, your, your kids take their own life, and you're wondering, God, how did this happen? But even in that midst of that... Rest is something so deep, so profound. It's a world that never runs dry that every one of the men here this morning, when you know Jesus, you got this. Cryptocurrency, who cares? You know, cash, money. You look at, but when you get your rest, how's that rest gauge reading? You flavor it. You savor it. That word savor means to taste. It means to drink. It's a word that means to enjoy. It's a word that means to like. My time is about up, I believe, so let me give you the last one. Why is rest so important? Go with me to the book of Acts, if you please be so kind. And here we're going to see that the apostles, they lived it. Acts chapter 16. What a beautiful great portion of scripture. So in Acts 16, I'm going to read it because right now I'm pressing for time. I'm fighting for time. But I love to see that at midnight, Paul and Silas, Acts 16, verse 25, they've been beaten. They've been slandered. They've been falsely accused. It didn't work out just or right for them. Neither the Democrats or the Republicans could help them. Nobody could help them. So at midnight, they're in jail, but they were praying and they were singing. They were singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And now suddenly, a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately, all the doors are open. Every chain is loose. I imagine it falls, right? Clink, clink. And the keeper of the prisoner, awaking from his sleep, he sees that the prison doors are open. And he supposed that every prisoner had fled. And he draws his sword and he's about to kill himself. But Paul calls out with a loud voice and he says, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he calls for a light, the jailer. He runs in. He falls down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brings them out, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I would add to be like you. I would add to have the peace that you guys have. Uh, Let me wrap it up this way as I try now to look to your eye for communication. Did you see this here? Rest. They're in jail. Their backs are bloody. They're hurt. They're in pain. And they're singing. I'm wondering, what song are they singing to the Lord? You you ever think about that? You are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. I will trust. You know, what are they singing? But here's what I want you to see. They are worshiping the Lord. The Lord is meeting them. They never read Acts 16 before. The prison begins to shake. I think of these two hardcore criminals that are saying, Dude, what's going on? And the other one says, I don't know. And then the doors open, plop, 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 and the chains fall, plop. and the two prisoners, the two mean guys, hey, we're free to run. You running? I ain't going nowhere, bro. I've never seen this before in my life. <laughs> Now the scriptures tell us that they were put in the farthest place. The scriptures tell us that it was dark. So here's the question. How does Paul know that the guy drew his sword and he's about to kill himself? Because when you rest and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the gift of knowledge. God shows you some things. And I believe that Paul knew that. Hey, don't harm yourself. We're all here. How does Paul know they're all there? I love being a chaplain. I love law enforcement. If there's any law enforcement here today, thank you for what you do. But one thing I know about law enforcement is they they can spot a kid or They can spot a phony. And, and there's something that happens here in this jail, I believe, because Paul and Silas are modeling the depth of rest that we can have, that our rights are taken away. We're not treated properly. Our maybe preferential candidate doesn't get the 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 nomination or the election but that doesn't care because I'm functioning in a different universe in a sense I'm in the world but I'm not of the world now that doesn't mean you're not you're not participatory that doesn't mean that you don't do your right because our forefathers they gained the freedom that we're able to enjoy but what that means is that even though I know about Dominion and I know about smartsmatic and I know about what's going on because I've been through this second time I go through this I went through it in Cuba I saw the thing I'm going through here but that's okay Because you have rest, especially now that I stopped watching Fox News. (laughs) I was getting worked up. Lord, you got this. Because the last thing about rest, that T letter word, if I could illustrate it, is for tuning. You're able to tune into that which you know is lasting, is important, that which is ultimately true. Paul put it this way, for me to live is Christ. And when I die, it's going to be gain. I lost track of time. If I went over, please forgive me. I'll leave you with Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. It's the first time that rest appears in the New Testament. Jesus said, hey, if you're weary, if you're heavy laden, Jesus said, come to me. I, I love Calvary Chapel. I, I love the Methodists that love Jesus. I love the Presbyterians. I love the. If they love Jesus and the Word, they're family. We're going to be together in heaven. But Jesus didn't say, come to the Baptist, come to the Roman. He said, come to me. And then Jesus said, and I'm going to give you rest. You're going to be okay. You're going to be able to release, you're going to be able to evaluate properly. I hope none of the men here, I hope you're not living a secret life. I hope none of the men here, I've seen it in my life. I've seen men that leave a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, for this lust thing that just fling there. And they always live to regret it. You wait long enough, you you reap what you're sowing. Now, there might be exceptions to the rule, God is a God of grace. But what I'm getting at is that when you rest, you're able to release, you're able to... Evaluate. You're able to savor. But then finally, you're able to make that tune. You're able to tune things to the right way. Can I leave you with this illustration of rest? In God's Way Radio, we have a live program every weekday, Monday through Friday. And I get this text message. This This listener was so and She says, I feel so much pain. I'm so scared. And so as I read that text message in the, in the radio program, people began to call in. And they began to text in. They tell that lady I'm praying for her. Tell this lady I got the scripture. And a week goes by. And the next week, I get a phone call, live phone call. I said, what are you calling for? He says, Wes well, Kendall, I'm the husband of that lady that sent that text message. And I'm the reason that she's hurting. He says, babe, if you're listening, I want to ask you to forgive me. I want to get back to God. I want to get back to the church. I want to make things right. This is in life, radio. And so now every day people are calling in. How's that couple? How? Eventually they make their way to Calvary Chapel, Miami, and they come. And then eventually they start going to the foundations of faith class. They took the marriage classes to get married. They renewed their vows. And here's a couple that's been hit with uh, adultery. He's been hit... But in Jesus Christ, you're able to find the ability to rest, to release, to evaluate, to savor what God is doing, and then to fine-tune. I look at them. They're smiling. They go to the married couples conference. He tells me, I can't wait for next year. Then he tells me, I can't wait to begin to serve. Rest. He came to give rest to the weary and the heavy laden. Are you stressed? Are you wiped out? If any of you need a special prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you wherever you are, would you please stand to your feet so we could pray together? I can pray for you. Anybody here would say, man, I need that rest. I want to come into the Lord and find that rest. Anybody else here today? Let's pray. Jesus, we we come to you. And we want a rest that's not just intellectual, theological. We want that rest, Lord, that our heart is able to be still and to know that you're God. We want that rest, Lord, like Paul wrote, he who began the good work in you. He is faithful to complete it. So Lord, for the men that are standing, I pray that they would savor and taste of you that ability to rest. Whatever the burden, whatever the worry, rest that in you the corrections that need to be made, the tuning that needs to happen by your strength, Jesus, by your life, you will bring it to pass. Father, continue to bless this conference. We came to meet with you. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.